the living geek. Traveling through time and space, it's the podcast of timey-wimey proportions, Podcastica. Now, here's John and Taylor. Thank you, Irving, and hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Podcastica here on NOTLG.com. Today, we are going to talk about thin ice. My name is John, and joining me, as always, is my good friend, Taylor. Taylor. How's it going? Oh, it's going great, John. We're enjoying this warm spring Northern California weather, grilling up hot dogs and having some chili with it. And yeah, life's good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing quite well. Uh, nothing nice. too exciting going on over here. But uh, in in the realm of Podcastica, we have something very yes. exciting. Uh, joining us this week, we have an author whose works you can find in the Ripple Effect and Dark Fuse Anthology, which are both available on Amazon.com. Uh, you can also find her write-up about the first two episodes of Season 10 on GeekNerdry.com. Please welcome Lauren Gallum to the podcast. Hello. How are you? Hello, hello. I am doing great. I've got my can of LaCroix ready to go. Excellent. Because uh, if you're going to go seltzer, you're going to go hipster seltzer. I, I cannot argue with that. For what it's worth, I just finished a vanilla cream soda that my godson brought back from the uh, uh, his school trip to the Shakespeare Festival. So oh. we're, we're all drinking good stuff tonight. I, I'm just drinking water. There is an unopened bottle of wine down here, which is kind of dangerous. But oh. I have nothing to open it with. So... You're a first guest, I believe, yeah? First, uh, just to come on and review, right, Taylor? Yeah. This is very exciting for us. Oh, wow. Okay. We had uh, we had spoken about this, Taylor and I, for a, a little while, and we said, you know what? We should bring on some friends. Why not? And Yeah, and I think you guys tweeted me, like, in February after Gallifrey, and then I was like, yes. cool, I gotta go run a convention in Boston. I'll be back in, like, a month. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, so we all met at uh, Gallifrey. Gallifrey won. And we bonded in the way that most people bond in the Starbucks line and on Twitter. Yes. Was this was this your first galley? No, no, no. I've been going to Gallifrey. I so I moved out here from the East Coast summer twenty eleven, so twenty twelve was my first time going when it was easier to get tickets, like when you could still show up and get yes. tickets before it turned into Hall H at Comic Con. Yes. Um <laughs> but I have been going ever since because luckily I'm always on a computer and I'm always on a computer when they sell tickets. So I've been going now for wow, five years and I did get my tickets for next year. And I was very amazed that like how like there were still tickets chilling out a day later. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is awesome. Switching to Eventbrite was awesome. Yes. Very good decision on their part. But um, yeah, so I think like we... I think it's because I'm always in the Twitter tag during it, and I'm always, like, interacting with people in the Twitter tag, which is more than I can say in person at Con. So, and I think, did you guys come to that panel I was on? I can't remember. Like, I feel like you were. I don't remember. Taylor, did we? (laughs) uh, We might have. Which one? (laughs) It was the one where it was, like, the villains edition, and Tony Lee was on that panel and a couple other people. 
And oh, I don't think I made it. <sighs> I'm not oh. sure if I went to that one. Or we were at the same panel. And we ran into each other at the panel again after the Starbucks line, I feel like. It yes. May have been. I know I was doing a lot of tweeting at Gallifrey One, wanting to like, hey, if you listen to us, we want to meet you kind of thing. And I think you guys knew who I was from Twitter. And you, we ran into each other at the Starbucks line and you knew who yes. I was. And you guys were like, hey. And I was like, hi, who are you? <laughs> okay, yeah. We've been tweeting all weekend. What's up? What's good? Because, you know, you're in the Starbucks line for a while. You're going to make new friends. Oh, yeah. That's how I do LobbyCon really early in the morning in Starbucks because I'm like I'm not great at the whole. I can't. God bless the people who power hour like staying awake in that lobby all night. I can't do that. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's really hard. It's that's commitment. Like those are the people that you know got a room right on that level. They have this down. They've got it down to the science. They're like I just I'm like God bless you. I don't have that endurance anymore. I've done conventions for way too long. Yeah. Yes. It's time passes very fastly and I cannot, I can't do it. And actually, you know what? I was pretty good this year. I feel, I feel like I powered through. I was up pretty late most nights. Yeah. You guys were up late a lot more than I was. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the get up early in the morning because I've got kids and, you know, crash out by 10 because I'm apparently, you know, still on teacher hours or something from a previous life. <laughs> I know. I think you guys like tweeted me, hey, we're recording at like seven in the morning in the lobby if you want to come by. And I'm just like, oh, girl, I ain't even awake at that time. Oh, God, no, God, no. Yeah, we... I stay at the Hilton. I don't I can never get a room at the Marriott. So oh. it's fine. I get my, I get freaking flyer miles. Yeah, if I stay at the Hilton. But like so I'm just sort of like I'm going to bed. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I... yeah. So this was my. Oh, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, uh, 6 Gallifrey. Nice. I think, I, um, I think I'm around there. I might have one more. I can't remember. There are badges all over my room, so I'm, I'm not quite sure how long I've been going. But I, the first year I went, I went the first day and bought a ticket. I just walked up and bought a ticket that the day it started. And the lobby was pretty empty. There were not a lot of people there that year. So we're talking about Gallifrey. Gallifrey won. And I guess that kind of segues into Who News, right? Because tomorrow, or when you're listening yeah. to this today, um, hotels go on sale. And um, I actually just remembered that as we were talking about it. And now I'm having a slight panic attack. God, so. may the odds be ever in everybody's favor. It's like I said when they posted, y'all, if you don't get it, you got NBC Suites, mm -hmm. you got Hilton, one's got free bacon. You're not at a total loss. They're literally right there. <laughs> Man, It'll be fine. Free bacon. I, we might have to just try Which, out that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the pricing on the sweets, because I was looking at it for like a hot second, but I was like, uh, it's still a little better to stay at the Hilton. So, yeah. Price wise. But like, if you're splitting a room with people, then like NBC Suites is a great option because, you know, it's a, you get the room and then you get like the pull out couch and you get free breakfast and the manager special. So, it's kind of like your mileage may vary, but there are people <laughs> who are super hardcore about the Marriott, and I'm like, God bless you, who fam. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. Taylor, you want to go ahead and uh, get into this other who news we got here? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, first, I, I feel like kind of ever since Gallifrey won and kind of getting into the new season, we have had a lot more people listening to the podcast. So however you may have found us, and if you're finding us for the first time, welcome. Thank you. And thank you to those of you who have 
shared us around with your friends and uh, and gotten us uh, some more listens and stuff, we totally appreciate it. So welcome aboard. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I want to give a shout out to um, Paul Verhoeven's podcast, The Doctor Is In, um, because this week he, man, I feel like he's already blown like the interviews <laughs> that we've had out of the water. He literally has an interview with Sarah Dollard, who wrote Thin Ice. That's awesome. And we've mentioned Paul a couple of times before on the podcast, and uh, he is quite awesome. So that be sure to check out that interview. Yeah, definitely. And I, I didn't even realize this, um, and this might be part of how he you know, finagled this interview. It, it is out right now. You can, you can go listen to it. But Sarah Dollard is Australian. She is? Yeah, she is. Oh, good. I, and they're both, and he's Australian as well. So they're, yes. yeah. All right. Yeah. There you are. Uh, and um, earlier this afternoon, I uh, tweeted out uh, via the Podcastica account looking for some feedback from listeners uh, as to what they thought of the episode. And, and friend of the show, Mike Solko, uh, said it's better than Smile, not quite up there with the pilot. Strong performances, again, from the leads. And noted that there was a lovely musical callback to the Day of the Doctor during the death discussion. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, I did catch that. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm 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 going to say, <clears throat> friends of the show, probably by way of Mike, the the guys at the Doctor Who show down in Australia said, uh, didn't wow me as much as some, but simple, solid fare, a pure historical in the Black Orchid sense. Maybe we should have reviewed that one. Oh, uh, yeah. Versus the sixty cents, that's rare. Seven point five. Hmm. All right then. Yeah. Okay. So, for yes, replying. thank you very much for feedback. We always appreciate that. It's very, it's very good to hear from you. And you'll actually be hearing from uh, from Mike Solko in a later podcast episode. Mm-hmm. There's a little spoiler, I guess. <laughs> so this week we watched Thin Ice, starring Peter Capaldi as the Doctor, Pearl Mackey as Bill, Matt Lucas as Nardle. It was written by Sarah Dollard and directed by Bill Anderson. It first aired April 29th, two thousand and seventeen. And is the third story of season 10. Taylor, we got, well, I mean, not a lot of story notes, but... No, it's tough. It's tough with the new ones. <laughs> it is. And trust me, I, I, I start combing really early uh, after an episode airs to try and gather up at least a couple. But we've got one. Um, and as noted by the doctor in the episode, he did previously visit the 1814 Frost Fair. He did it with River Song. They skated on the River Thames and brought Stevie Wonder with them to perform. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Where was Stevie Wonder in this episode? I mean, come on. Well, hopefully he wasn't, um... Oh, God, he did he get eaten? Me, I, I don't want to... I didn't want to say it, but... That'd be terrible. Oh, boy. And Taylor, as always... You have a world-famous synopsis for us. Indeed. It's Regency England, and Bill finally asked the questions most all of us would ask if we traveled to the past for the first time. But there's a beast below, huh? Yeah, oh. that's being harnessed to supercharge the Industrial Revolution, and it's up to the Doctor and Bill to save it and tackle the moral questions of the day. Okay, so I guess let's just let's um, switch this up a bit. We usually ask this at the end of the episode. Let's just start right now. What did everybody think of this episode? I really liked it. Um, Sarah Dollard writes, I really like the settings she writes. They're almost sort of like Gaiman-esque when like Neil Gaiman is on point in that sort of kind of fantastical way, like Stardust. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked it. Like it's a really good, it's basically a really good self-contained story. 
And I'm I'm a sucker for like 19th century England to begin with. So it was just like, dang, just dangle that like catnip in front of me for a show. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I really think like overall what was, and I think it was like, it was a really fun episode, but it was also balanced out by a couple like really deep character moments which like you almost didn't quite expect and it kind of it kind of suckers you in and like this is going to be a fun regency rob but then things get real yeah very very quickly too uh i kind of was just like thin ice punch the racist is the subtitle of this episode (laughs) i screamed when that happened yeah. <laughs> Apparently that guy and like I know we've seen that actor before. It is possible that because Britain has like 15 actors, he might have been on the thick of it, which I think fans who like the thick of it that makes it extra funny. Uh yes. Cuz that probably that scene probably actually happened on the thick of it. Well, so Malcolm doesn't hit people. He they he he pretty much hits them with verbal abuse. Yes. Uh, are we allowed? Are, I don't know if we're allowed. If you guys allow swearing, basically, when that moment happened, I was just like, I just need like a Malcolm Tucker fuckity bye right now. <laughs> that would be the best. But they don't swear on BBC no. One too much. No, they do not. You just need to do a fan edit with you know just the somebody audio. Will, uh, somebody probably has already done it. Like if, I hope so. I, I mean, don't put anything past this fandom or Tumblr because right. it's probably already being done as we speak. <laughs> but uh, I mean, like overall, I like I thought this was a really good episode. Um, it's kind of making me like, I mean, I'm ready for like summer and all, but I'm just like, uh, now I want it to be Christmas time because yeah. then that's the, so that I can go to the Great Dickens Fair again. Because now I'm like, oh, I want to want to go. Granted, Dickens wasn't Regency, but I'm like, man, this is making me want to go to the Dickens Fair really bad right now. <laughs> Close. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was really interesting that, because, I mean, granted, this wasn't being written by Moffat, but there was a lot of, a couple pieces of dialogue in this that were super self-aware. Yes. Like, super self-aware. Like, the comment about whitewashing was like... Yeah. I'm like, is this still Moffat who? i know that took me by surprise i was like very surprised by that i'm like how she sneak that in how didn't he oh okay i'm like they went there they got snuck in but the thing that made me laugh the most which was probably the most self-aware line was when bill calls the sonic screwdriver his magic wand and i was like dude does she read the tumblr tags is she reading the tags because because that is like one of the hugest pieces of criticism about the sonic screwdriver in the past couple of years is how it's basically and i've had the same criticism that it was never supposed to i mean it it was a plot device but it's become basically like a magic wand yeah so i'm sort of glad that they made a joke about that taylor what did you think oh my god i i loved it way more than i thought i would and and the more that i thought about it the more that i loved it now is it you know, utterly perfect and untouchable. No, but I literally like 12 minutes into the episode and I am just so bowled over by the topics they're hitting on, the dialogue that they're having, the discussions they're engaging in that I literally, I tweeted Sarah Dollard and I was like, oh my God, 12 minutes into this episode and she is knocking it out of the park. Um, And about 
30 minutes later toward the end of the episode, I saw that she liked the tweets. I was like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, this really, I think for me, <clears throat> this man, I, I feel like this episode has a lot of really good balance to it. Like the pacing is, is, is as near to perfect as I think we can get. I don't think there was a spot where it lagged for a long time. It wasn't like Smile where you had 38 minutes of talking and then, you know, 10 minutes of action. Um, and it it went places that, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't expect it to go. I didn't expect it to, you know, delve into the race aspect as much. I didn't expect it to... Um, I don't know, have some of the other elements uh, that it did, but it all was there and it was great. And I mean, last night I was telling Amber and Kobe, I was like, oh my God, you guys, wait till you see this episode. And they're like, wait, how'd you see the episode? I was like, well... Magic. Uh, uh, yeah, timey-wimey <laughs> things. And they're like, oh, you cheated. And I'm like, no, 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 maybe. Um, but it, it is, it really is. This is, this is one of those episodes where I feel like if somebody comes to me and is like, hey, what's this whole Doctor Who thing about? I'm going to be like, here, sit down. Watch this episode. That strongly, I, huh? I, I, yeah, I do feel that strongly about it. Yeah. Good. Maybe something can finally knock Blink out of that recommendation <laughs> spot because right? I, I feel so bad. I know people love it, but I get super like, I think I'm at the point and it could be just because I'm bitter and cranky and old. Uh, I get super pissed when people constantly cite that as an episode to get people into the show. And I'm like, that's a terrible episode to have people get into the show. I would never recommend that to a first timer. Because it's a Dr. Light episode. And no, hardly... it's not even that it's a Dr. Light episode. I just think it's very, very overhyped. And I think I'm just maybe because I just feel like I have weeping angel fatigue. But I actually feel like if you were going to get somebody into the show, I think you could show them Rose. I think you could show them the empty child and the doctor dances. Like I would actually mm-hmm. say if you're going to pick a Moffat episode, pick those two episodes. Because I think that's like, that's it. That's the whole show right there. Yeah. And, and I, this one, exactly. And like this one, too. This would be a great, um, to the more current era, would be a great one to get people into it. Because it sort of, it ticks, it actually, that you said, it does tick off a lot of the major boxes of what this show is about. Time travel, mm-hmm. check. Fun, check. Creature, check. Wow, that got real dark and escalated quickly, check. Yes. The, doc- <laughs> the doctor is not always a good guy, check. Yeah. 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 That, I and mean, I think, go, go, I, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I just, I think, you know, even with uh, uh, how Sutcliffe meets his demise, it's, there's a moment there where I was like, okay, this, this feels kind of cheesy. But then at the same time, I'm like, okay, so what am I expecting it? Am I expecting it to be like Doctor Who? Am I, I expecting it to be like The Expanse? Am I expecting it to be like something else? I'm like, no, this is, this is pretty, this is pretty Doctor Who. Yeah. I was just going to say that, that is ever a doctor who death if i've seen one with the hat coming up out of the splash, yes yes especially john I, what did you think i i i really love this episode i think and we talked about it last week smile i mean i thought smile was good but if it there was going to be maybe a little dip in quality that would be it i think this one's probably about as strong as the pilot I really love the relationship we're building between Bill and the Doctor. Um, it's just, and 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 we talked about this last week too, where we were kind of concerned about Bill becoming the companion that asks way too many questions. But 
the questions she's asking are they're relevant. Like when she steps out and goes, "Hey, um, slavery's still a thing here," right? And the doctor says, "Oh yeah, right." And do you know? I was kind of thinking because did Martha ever bring that up? Martha. So I was thinking because like one of the few episodes that would have come up was the Shakespeare Code. Yeah, and. They didn't go into the slavery part, but, like, Shakespeare basically called her, like, his, like, Blackamoor goddess or something, and she was like, dude, what? Yeah. Like, no, this, they've really not gone there. Not really. Yeah. Not all the way there, at least. Yeah. This was very, there was, I mean, like, there was no subtext about this. This was, like, it was contextually there. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really one of the first times that, well, so this with slavery, yeah, I mean, there's not quite slavery, but like in turn left, they were, the subtext was pretty implicit about internment camps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like you could not miss with what Wilf was talking about. Right. That. But this was definitely like spelled out very clearly in this episode. Right. And when it was spelt out, the doctor uh, reacted in. I was I was shocked when he when he punched that when he punched him. Oh, I I it's gotta be cool, Bill. Gotta be cool. Let me do the talking. It's my yes. diplomacy. <laughs> and just knocks him out. And I I I was shocked. I screamed. I literally screamed. And yeah, I mean. There's just there's so much to cover in this. Just when 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 Bill comes out and she's and she's talking about like so time travel. How does this work? And mm-hmm. she's talking about like the butterfly effect, and which is something Martha was concerned about. When I went back and looked, she actually in the Shakespeare uh, code was concerned about that. And they did they do have an episode uh, Father's Day during Eccleston's yeah. run that sort of expands on that because that's kind of like the point of the whole episode. Don't touch the baby, Rose. Don't That's touch right. the baby. <laughs> and I mean, just just Bill and the Doctor. I I just love this relationship we're building. I love the the Pete gag where she's concerned yeah. about uh, the butterfly effect, and she and he's like, "Well, you've forgotten about your friend Pete already." And <laughs> he gets her for a second. Yeah, it's just it's good stuff. And uh, I, I don't know. I just love Bill. I just really really love Bill. And I, I just sorry. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, uh, it, it just um, with the the Pete thing, um, I got to give a lot of props to uh, to Mike Solko because it, you know he's just like, oh, look, Sarah Dollar still found a way to kill a character in an episode of hers, <laughs> 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 and I was like, oh my god, she's right. Rest in peace, Pete. Poor Pete. We never knew him. I know. <laughs> And oh, there's just I don't know. There's just so much, just so much. I loved, the, I loved the when he's telling her about the wardrobe. And oh my god! I thought that that was so funny. When she's like, yeah. "I'm low key in love with the TARDIS," and he says, "Yeah, me too." I don't think there's low key about that with him. Oh no way! Kind of, kind no. of real there. <laughs> like I'm just saying, if this fandom ever made fan music videos, and I was telling this to my boyfriend the other day, I was like. I don't, because like in the anime community, there's AMVs. I was like, I don't know. I mean, if there's Doctor Who fan music videos, 
I'm I'm too lazy to go look for them. But if somebody hasn't done the Doctor and TARDIS to placebos every me, every you, they're missing a very big opportunity there. Because my God, the Doctor loves his TARDIS. Yes, he does. You heard it, Twitter. Make it happen. <laughs> Skies, come on, by Gallifrey. Like, let's make that like the midtime, the mid, the masquerade midtime thing, so that Tony can drink water. <laughs> <laughs> or we bring back, or we bring back just a minute and bring back the otter. I don't know, but like, man, it's like that's the thing. That's what we need. I think that's what's missing let's get some fan music videos but like anyway the the wardrobe thing and this is like maybe me being like that guy because my undergrad is in theater mm-hmm. bill's costume i was like super pleased that the bbc costuming department didn't take the lazy way out and just like threw generic 19th century dress on her no they because I also cross-referenced this earlier just to double-check in my brain because fashions actually differed so greatly from, like, every two years in the 19th century. They yeah. got the silhouette actually very correct. Can't comment on, like, textiles. But, like, her under, like the dress she was wearing underneath, like, that's the right shape. That's, like, the right cut. Like, her coat, if it was 1814, actually would have had those military details because when they Europe was basically at war Napoleon. They got obsessed with military frogging in the coats and women wore it in a lot of their reading notes and polices. And I'm like, I just want her dark green. I'm pretty sure it was a redding coat. I really want it. <laughs> a redding note. I really want it. It's really awesome. I'm also fairly positive. One of the extras in the background was wearing one of the costumes Jennifer Ely wore in Pride and Prejudice of 1995. So this is why I don't, like talk to people i have no life <laughs> well we're happy you came and talked to us <laughs> i'm just like we would not have hit on this. no we would no. not at all and i'm just sitting there and we're watching dr who and i'm just like i think that was one of the costumes they wore that the lizzie bennett costumes from pride and prejudice and i'm just like i need to like maybe not notice these things but uh, here we are i have no problem with it i and and while we're on the subject of uh costuming the doctors he just looks so good <laughs> I love the yes. top hat. I just love the entire outfit. I want pants were not correct, but they're not supposed to be. I think it was very obvious that he just changed his the just the top portion. The top portion, yeah, the bottom portion really wasn't super correct. But... I I loved, I, I absolutely loved it. I want to wear that every day. So, <laughs> Galley twenty eighteen cosplay? Maybe we'll see. Oh, I've actually so never beautiful. cosplayed in my entire life, which is kind of true, but not really. I have I've, once, and yeah. it was 12 years ago, and there was no photographic evidence. Oh. <laughs> well, then. I've got a crazy idea for one, but I'm not sure this is the right episode to share it on. All right. Maybe. Oh, I don't the, know. The... I'll, I'll, okay. So, because of the Cybermen apparently figure so much into later in this season, I thought it would be great to do, like, a Cybermen Daft Punk mashup. Yes, do it. Make it happen. Oh, that would be just amazing. Do like, just do it like a suit, get a Cyberman helmet, and then go to like a place that does like vinyl wraps and just get it like chrome wrapped and maybe do some LEDs in the yes. in the eyes. That would be insane. Listen, yeah. that'd be so, great. Blo, if people can do Alexander Hamilton, you can do Daft yes. Punk Cyberman. Yes, very but, true. Um, actually, did you guys notice? There's like two things that were definitely in this episode to move it away from costume and that were definitely some callbacks to earlier stuff. Um, I thought that after the boy gets spoilers taken under the river and Bill basically freaks out because, oh, wait, Uh shit, traveling in time and space has consequences and is dangerous. Yeah. 
her basically the kind of not really fight but like her disgust with the doctor basically just being super emotionally detached from it mm-hmm. was a really good moment in that episode because i actually where she was like how many people have you seen die and he couldn't even tell he's like when did you stop losing count i actually almost feel like that conversation was more emotionally impactful than the very similar one in the day of the doctor between the 10th and the 11th doctor mm-hmm. i don't and it might be because this wasn't just between the two doctors who like you know, they kind of, it's the same person, really. Yeah. I feel like it's, the stakes are emotionally different when it's a companion who is going through this for the first time. I totally agree. Yeah, that, that that scene was awesome, and it was also, like, super heartbreaking, just because he is so detached, and it's, we know how, (laughs) it's like, he's he's obviously lost count. We've we've been through him. Mm -hmm. We've been through all of it with him and she's just just getting into it and oh man ugh i loved it's, when he took off his hat and he's like what's wrong yes. <laughs> yeah well because i think it's like she's in so many ways like i mean i think this is the thing that's annoyed me about the previous companions is they just sort of go along with it eventually mm-hmm. and they kind of it never bo- really bothers them again yeah and that was the one thing where like just clara just like when it first, when like she first came in, these like she did say something like in the day of the doctor, but then she got very yolo and very gung ho about like not caring about these things. So it was really nice to have a companion who's reacting like probably a normal person would and be like, "Yo, yo, this is not cool. How do you not? How do you just move on from this? Like that's not okay." No, I completely agree. I mean, Bill's like her initial reaction where she turns around and she's like, "Do." something like she's just you can see that that she's freaking out but she's trying to restrain herself and the just her expression yeah and the way she says that is just so on point and and all her reactions like especially this this oh my gosh i've traveled into the past that very first step that she takes onto the ice yes i mean i'm having this moment watching it i'm like i feel like i'm watching you know the first man step on the moon like this is this is that big (laughs) moment of just that step you're like you're really here. And I mean, we do kind of get a little later, we get Bill kind of moving on from it. I And I, I don't know how much she's moved on from it. We get the scene where they're hanging out with all the orphans mm-hmm. and she, she mentions that I moved on and then kind of sticks her tongue out at the doctor while he's reading to the children, which was adorable. Um, <laughs> totally. I feel like she was kind of not so much over it as, compartmentalizing it because mm-hmm. things needed to ha- get done yeah they needed to get to the bottom of it um i wrote this in my review that's going to go live tomorrow but i almost kind of don't want this to be the last time it comes up because i feel like one of the things that's frustrated me is how there's no lasting emotional consequences in the show and there hasn't been for a couple years and i'm just like that's not a realistic narrative to just be like i'm mad now one and done and it's like that's not good care it's not a good long-term way to do your characters so i kind of hope this does come up again because this used to be a i mean like this isn't like the first time a companion was like that you know that's it this is going too far i'm 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 done like even in classic who tegan left because like she was just i can't do this anymore i can't keep watching people die yeah yeah you know i i feel like in this scene um Bill kind of has what I call her rose moment where she's like, 
it'll be okay. We're here to help. The doctor's amazing. He can help fix things. And I, I feel like I've, I've mentioned it a couple of points where, you know, Rose obviously, you know, early on in, in, in the first season of New Who was very much like that. She just had that faith. She had that belief. And I, I feel like I've seen other companions do it. And then it got me thinking and I'm like, wait a second. I feel like at least the locations, quote unquote locations of the first three episodes of this season is paralleling the first season. Yeah, it is. I, Thank uh, you. It's not just me noticing. Uh, no, yes. I said when I was reviewing the pilot that the pilot felt as if Moffat was writing an episode in like he was doing his best Russell T Davies attempt. <laughs> and I'm wondering if because and this was something I said like earlier today on Tombo it's like on the one hand like this is like 3 for 3 of like wow this is actually like a really good episode. This is like returning to form of when like I really liked Doctor Who but then like on the other hand where the hell was this consistent quality for the past couple of years? And I'm just like, maybe because it's the last year he's going back to, f- over. I mean, I know this is different writers, but he's kind of the showrunner. Maybe it's just going back to f- a familiar beat of when people were like, oh, this was amazing. I don't know. Because I'm not in the, we're not. Hmm? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Yeah. That kind of goes against his whole, <laughs> I don't like doing what other people wrote thing. Well, I, I think I, I think he might just be in the uh, I'm almost done with this phase. Maybe because I mean, like he kind of. I know he's a Doctor Who fan, but I honestly kind of feel like he's been sort of like half foot out the door with Doctor Who for a while. So, I yeah, no, that I I definitely get that get mm-hmm. that feeling as well. But uh, there was. Um, God, shit! There was two things in this episode, though. Like, if I had to criticize them, they just kind of bugs me. Uh, one was where he, the doctor says, "Like I'm two thousand years old. I don't have the luxury of time to be outraged." I'm like, "Sir, sir, sir, sir. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right, your sixth incarnation, your seventh incarnation, screaming about rice pudding, which I think might actually be in my about one of my Twitter about me's. Um, I'm like." you don't have time to be outraged you might want to tell that to your ninth doctor self yes you might want to tell that to your 10th doctor self you might want to tell that to your 11th doctor self i'm like since when can't you be out like that makes no sense he's usually outraged that's like something like the second doctor might say or even the third or even the well uh i'm i I would maybe. maybe say the the second doctor was somewhat outraged when he was uh forced to regenerate and well yeah they uh, sent his boyfriend home of yeah course he was <laughs> like you know moment of, moment of silence for the greatest doctor who bro tp to ever exist i i just yeah i'm still it's it's been what like 50 years and i'm still mad about that i wasn't even alive then but i'm still angry because and that's why when everyone Everybody who watches New Who doesn't know classical like, oh, Time Lords, they're just misunderstood. I'm like, no, Time Lords are dicks. The Time Lords have always been dicks. The Time Lords have been dicks for 50 plus years, guys. Yes. Don't feel so bad for them. Agreed. Never feel bad for them. <laughs> Never feel bad for the Time Lords because they're dicks. Um, the only other thing I really hated was I did not need literally word for word that same like awful moment from kill the moon because it was pretty much word for word word for word 
the doctor said to Bill word for word, basically like, it's not my planet. It's not my call. Yeah. Like that's literally word for word, the dialogue from kill the moon. And I hated that episode. So I'm like, Oh, we were doing so good. We we're doing so good. Then I we were doing so good. This is not necessary right now. I felt like that, that piece was a little out of place. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love that. He was like throwing all that, that weight, all that baggage on her, but I think it's really funny that you you mentioned Kill the Moon because, well, one, we hated that episode too. But when I first saw the character Kitty, uh, the 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 street urchin who was running around with Spider, Spider's the one who fell in the ice. I was like, oh my god, is Regency Courtney? No, okay, no, 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 no. I'm going <laughs> to step in here. I'm sorry. Let me just step in here. I have gone on record many times as saying that. Doctor Who has some of the worst child actors on the face of the planet. If you, you go back, they have been terrible. And I will now go on record as saying this is the first time that I've thoroughly enjoyed all of the child actors on this show. That's, yeah, like they were pretty great with those those, those little scampy frost fair urchins. Dottie was adorable. <laughs> I couldn't handle it. <gasps> Oh, with the hat! Yes, yes. she was so cute. <laughs> oh, I will, I will completely agree, and I base my Regency Courtney comment literally on just seeing her for the first time. I was like, oh, she looks like Courtney. Oh, it wasn't even like she looked like her, but she kind of just like vibe wise, like a little bit, a little bit. Although the or the street urchin gang was also giving me like a little bit of like the empty child doctor dances vibes, like minus the ha ah, secret mom. <laughs> not your sister but that was just I, I guess my problem with it is just that that part felt so like awkward in this episode like it was almost just like tacked on and I'm like but dude you've totally made choices for humans why start putting it on them now Yeah, it, it's something that almost would seem maybe a little more in place once they had uh, more of their relationship established this seemed like a really early point to be like no, you've got to make the call. Yeah, I feel like there were moment of tension and conflict, like that whole conversation after seeing Spider die was like enough. It didn't yeah. and I just kind of feel like it weirdly kind of like whatever, if that was supposed to be a big like emotional choice, it, it kind of didn't end up feeling like one really because I don't know, it just sort of was like, oh, you have to make a choice. I'm like, but then there was no tension, like no real like big payoff afterwards with that moment so i'm like why was this even here yeah i don't know that that's that raises a good point um i would like to say i'm excited that uh 12 has moved on from the note cards and is now trying to be all down with the kids see Uh, i okay (laughs) i liked the note cards i thought that was oh it was no it was very funny. funny Him being hip with the kids, I'm just like, yes. I just am like, I, I just like stop. Just Hang tight, later. I'm just like, that's their Sherlock coming out. Oh man! I, I was I like, passion. and there is the Sherlock coming out. I so I also love the line. I think that we're bonding after they come out of the the water and see the monster for the first time, and they're talking to the guy who does the coin trick. 
Yes. <laughs> yeah, I actually like you know this was the one of the first time in a while I don't mind these random side characters like that. Except Nardal, guys. I'm sorry, Matt Lucas is adorable, but I can't. I can't. I'm really glad they're smartly like very limiting Nardal because I can't. I don't know why. Well, I feel like his character in the pilot was fine, and then all of a sudden he was mad that Bill was around. Well, I think, and this is the whole, well, because I guess, okay, here we have the whole overarching, woo, Tamawama mystery. What's going <laughs> on? Of What is in the vault? Who did he make his oath to? Why is Nardal being like an overbearing mother hen when he's a damn robot? Like, what's going on? And I think the reason he resents Bill is because the doctor made somebody a promise I'm going to park my ass on Earth for like 50 years, like my third self, but like of my own volition. And I'm going to guard this mysterious vault. And I'm just like, okay, so that's going to be the thing this season. Please, God, don't be a thing that actually has a good payoff. Because if it ends up like the hybrid, I am going to set something on goddamn fire. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've brought up the the vault. And um, what do you think? Do you have any theories? I have some crazy theories. We would love to hear them because I I said one last week and it was met with... Um, wonder and also um, people saying I would hate if that happened what was your theory because I didn't I didn't get a chance to listen to that episode yet my theory is and let me tell you when somebody started knocking on that door I I thought if it's four knocks I'm gonna do a victory lap around my uh, my apartment complex I just about screamed when I heard the knocks Uh, I was thinking of the four knocks as well I think I don't think Missy is the master, and I think the master is behind that door. You oh fuck, damn. Okay, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Because okay, here's the thing. I thought the same thing too, but I'm gonna go one a little bit further. I am intrigued and would like to subscribe to your newsletter about the idea that <laughs> Missy is not the master, but she's actually the Ronnie. Because yes. I wanted Michelle Gomez to really be the Ronnie since they announced. Her casting, like, not that I don't think she's, like, fantastic if it is the master for real, but, like, I could so see it being where she was like, no, cool story, bro, really the Ronnie, PPS. I just needed to misdirect you so you could release the master. Well, now here's, I, I could be on board with that being the master. Um, I think it could really just be Missy who's hiding there, except that she's supposed to be with the Daleks somewhere last we saw her. Oh, right. I, I have an even more out there theory, and I don't know why this is my theory, because it's probably not accurate. So we see John Sim in the preview. Yes. And the press is saying he's resuming his role as the master. What if he's not? What if John Sim isn't coming back as the master? What if that is what the Doctor's next regeneration is? Because between 12 and 13 is, in theory, supposed to be the Valyard. Now, now, here's the thing that could be problematic because I'm not caught up on the current season. John Sim has been busy on ABC's Catch, but he's not a main character. So it is possible he could be shooting Doctor Who because he's blonde in the trailer and he doesn't have blonde hair on the Catch. I'm just saying, if you were going to really wow. do that and they're acting like this regeneration is going to be like this weird thing and he's supposed to go, in theory, potentially go Valyard, what's to say that, like, he doesn't regenerate into John Sim, but that doesn't mean John Sim is who the next doctor in the next series will be. Wow. I go, when I go out huh. there, wow. With my theories, 
I go out there sometimes. But I feel like this is one of those cases where it's like on Tumblr where we might be coming up with better ideas. Than what's actually going to happen, yes. But that would be like, if could you just like, but like, that would be amazing. And like an actual worthy plot twist. If because like they lie, Moffat lies constantly. That's the first rule. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he could regenerate into John Sim, and that's the Valyard. And then Christmas special gets dealt with, regenerates again into whatever the thirteenth or fourteenth Doctor is. I don't know. Hmm. You might not need a scenario because the Valyard is a separate title. Doesn't necessarily need to count as the thirteenth Doctor, right? Because many people don't count War Doctor as a number. So true. Huh. Or they could just make my day and just let him regenerate into fucking Paul McGann. <laughs> that I would be so happy. <laughs> because, listen, having been in elevators with him, have him, because he's like, you know, just that quiet Irish kind of guy, like, zoom right in front of me at the bar before the masquerade. That guy is super nice. I don't know what his skincare routine is, but bro doesn't very age. He doesn't age. It would be perfect but because we, i want it so much it's not gonna happen so. i wish they had gone through with that spinoff for the eighth doctor that I mean, would have been I very would nice be super happy with webisodes at this point yeah mm-hmm. i would too but i think i would be sad i i like both our theories personally um i think i would love it to be a master ronnie team up because that would make my day that would be amazing. I I think that would be great. And I I mean Absolutely. I'm also fine with it be them both being the master. I mean we've got enough of I guess not enough of you know uh, current day <laughs> doctors hanging out together. Why not have two current masters hanging out? Why not? Right. But I I don't know. I I want to. I need a bigger plot twist than that. I think. I, I, I I've got nothing to add. I'm like it's Mary McCheese in there. Oh wow. Constable <laughs> and Constable <laughs> Big Mac. Or, 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 wait, let's just, let's just circle, let's just circle all the theories online back. It's the first Doctor. I don't know why. That was, yeah, wow. that's a one that's also been going around, which wouldn't make sense as to why they wouldn't wa- want him out, I guess. I don't know. It's, but it's Moffat, so True. let's think about this like Moffat writing the show. So it'll probably be Riverside. That would hurt the most. It'll probably be River Song. Oh, jeez. <laughs> or a weeping, or it'll be a weeping angel. Oh, hmm. that'll rush off to Coal Hill, and there's your class tie-in. You know, class is excellent. Thank you. I like it. Class is so. Ram Singh is my son. He's my baby, so that means he's <laughs> going to be tortured more than anybody in that goddamn show. Yeah, because yes, this is I what happens. Everybody I love, everybody I latch onto, suffers. Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm like, ah, oh, that's cool. Well, okay, Jacksboro. Hello, Commodore Norrington. How are you? I love you. <laughs> oh, uh, let's circle back to Doctor. So, <laughs> so, you guys, here's the other thing. This, this is where we're now getting into like. Like the fantastical, so like they're having the frost fair on the frozen river Thames. Like, here's the thing: like, even if it was supposedly caused by the fish, that's actually historically accurate because Europe was basically in a mini ice age, on again, off again, up right. until like the mid early 19th century. So that's like super plausible that mm-hmm. that that happened. What I find hysterical that they will they just don't want to go there for some reason on this show is that like they're going underwater in the Thames in 1814 and I'm just like 
I hope you have every syphilis shot. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> the Thames is one of the cleanest rivers in the world that throws to a major city now. That river is was so polluted, and I'm looking this up just to fact check, that 50 years ago it was so polluted that it was declared biologically dead. Oh. That river, and if you've, so I've been to London twice, and it's like my favorite uh, city to go to in Europe, but I think people totally don't understand how revoltingly nasty the Thames has always historically been until modern time. And even <laughs> like only very recently in history has that river been clean. That river would have been hella gross <laughs> in 1814. To put it lightly. There is no putting it lightly. <laughs> Because what? you have to remember, this was also the era of chamber pots. And oh, yeah. London historically was never super great with sewer systems back then and open sewerage. And this is before they started to implement the underground in the tube where some of that got cleaned up and they closed up some rivers. This would have been like literally waiting in an open sewer. Ugh. So God bless that fish creature because that thing must be sturdy as hell. <laughs> when I saw them in the suits and getting splashed with Thames water, I was just like, Ugh, ew, <laughs> so ew, because that river was so gross then. Oh, yeah. Well, that's funny because I saw them in the diving suits and I went, now, wait a second. Technology of that era, didn't they need someone to actually operate the air pump? And now they're underwater and I, I don't see anybody operating an air pump. Unless it was like magic TARDIS uh, underwater suits. Sure. Well, I'll, but, I'll run with that. I mean, we've got angler fish who are, you know, spinning around and causing people to drop through the eyes. Why not? Listen, <laughs> listen. The trick with Doctor Who is don't hold it too far up into the sunlight. It's only so paper thin. But I just well, am like, can we just have an episode that will admit that the Thames was dirty as crap? <laughs> well, you know what? Speaking of dirty as crap, I love that they actually find out that that they are literally dredging this fish's crap in order to make fuel. And Bill's reaction had me crackling <laughs> with laughter. They they say it even burns underwater. No, <laughs> that was amazing. That was the best. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying, note to show: just keep that shit away from Cersei Lannister. Oh yes, ooh. <laughs> My goodness. I also love that he was uh, referred to as Dr. Disco. That got a nice little <laughs> reaction out of me. So, oh, my God. I got I to gotta come back to when the doctor lays out Lord Sutcliffe because we have to put this on the Duggan scale. Oh, okay. Um, what is this? Lauren, have you heard? Okay, so the Duggan scale. Um, you know, have you you've seen City of Death? Yes. Oh, yeah. And you know Duggan, who is, I guess, a you would consider him a, a one-off companion. Yeah. He is yeah. always, his his methods just are to punch and smash things. And yeah. we decided that we needed a Duggan scale for when things are either punched or smashed or blown up by someone. And we usually give it a rating, one to ten. Mm -hmm. And, ooh, man, Taylor, what are you thinking? Uh, I'll be honest, I'm I'm going to run with the note that I wrote down in the moment. 
This has had no afterthought and obviously no forethought. Uh, I said Duggan scale 12. Wow. He <laughs> uh, broke mostly, it. Mostly because it's, hey, let's punch the racists. Yes. Um, yeah. It's the added moral boost that takes that extra two. So he out Duggan's the Duggan scale? For, for this punch, I'm going to say yes. I, You know what? I will confirm that rating of a 12. <laughs> for yeah, a- I would think that... See, you guys do a Duggan scale. For me, it's like on a scale of one to ace with a baseball bat. Ah. I appreciate that as a seventh adapter and ace fan. I like that. I'm just like, I think, I feel like it was, I would give it about like eight out of ten aces because it was great, but it didn't involve a baseball bat. True. Very true. True. And and nothing exploded like a dollar. No. (laughs) Also, side note, I have a question. Do you guys get, like, I've mentioned it, a couple of people on Tumblr are totally... And other reviewers are bringing it up. I feel like Bill and the Doctor, and I don't know if it's being written intentionally, do kind of have a seven and an ace vibe. But the caveat is a lot of people say that all the modern companions are sort of templated on ace. I can kind of see that, but I also disagree with that. What do you guys think? Taylor? Personally, I I, I get a bit of a seven ace vibe off Bill and the Doctor. Um I, I don't know that I necessarily get that same vibe off every companion they've had so far. Um, I, I think I think the only way you can get away with saying that that all or nearly all modern companions are kind of templated on Ace is because Ace was kind of the first companion to really be modern and and to really kind of um, you know have that youthful vibe and that kind of like you know. Uh, 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 that legitimacy, that 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 verisimilitude, if you would, um, as to what people of that time that Doctor Who was being produced would be like, um, and I think Bill has that. I don't. I I can't look at Clara, even though she's yes from the you know twenty first century, but I, I can't say that you know I would behave the way that she behaved. If I were to travel through town, I would behave like Bill behaved. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Can I take that flyer? Yeah. Is it going to cause a ripple in the universe? It's not a butterfly. That. It's just just a flyer. Sure. Um, I I get a, yeah, I get a seven ace vibe from, from these two. And I don't necessarily feel that way about any of the other companions and doctors we've had in quote unquote new who. Um, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think people just say that because Ace at the time being the last one of Classic Who, it was mm-hmm. like, it does get cataloged into modern, but I, I don't think Rose was very a lot like Ace. I think in many ways, if you were to compare to a classic companion, you could say mm, maybe she was a bit maybe a little bit more like Joe Grantish in a way, kind of like young, like not, oh my God, super book smart, intelligent, but became pretty smart and savvy in working with the doctor. I do kind of feel like, and maybe it's just me. I sort of felt like they were trying to make Clara like the Sarah Jane Smith of the new who, but like not Mm -hmm. really, but like it was not quite there. But, like, I kind of feel like they really just wanted her to be, like, really beloved and feisty in, like, that kind of way. But, like, not quite. But it missed the mark. And I say this, like, I don't dislike Clara. I like Clara. But I think she suffered from very inconsistent writing. Yes, definitely. 
And it was a bummer because I feel like if they had just started off with her teaching at Coal Hill from the beginning, because they switched her character so abruptly with very little explanation between series seven and eight, they needed to pick one or the other. But I think like once series eight, she had the most character consistency, but it kind of went to poop when we first saw her. And then when the last season with her, it was like just too all over. Yeah. But if that's what I think, and maybe this is what I really like about Bill. Bill is reacting like a normal person would. And if this is the if the companion is like the narrative placeholder for like us as the every person, they're doing a good job. And I love the fact that there is nothing cosmically mysterious about her. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And I really want it to stay that way. <laughs> I yes, I would love for it to just stay that way as well. I don't need any other things we'll just leave it as other things for this podcast because <laughs> i swear to god please i'm just like don't 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 make me sad don't make her something like super important where her life completely relies on the doctor yeah mm-hmm. like like i really <sighs> we've done that we've gone down that road like a couple times like three times now yes but i mean we're three episodes in and like there's no sign of that happening. So I'm just like being optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all are. I think I have a real, I have really good feelings about this season so far and I'm excited to see where we go. Well, it sounds like next episode we're going knock knock. Yeah, it does. Do we, do we have anything else we would like to say about, about this episode? You know, um, I, I kind of like, you know, how they wrap it up and they do they do right by the urchins. And, and um, I, I love that um, we now have had three stories that just one after the other. They're just seamlessly feeding. Yeah. Right along. And and just as you hoped, John, we get back just yes. in time for tea. I, with, <laughs> and I, I, I feel like I heard all of England screech uh, in utter terror as as Nardo comes and he's like, I put a little coffee in it for flavor. You can just feel the nation shutting shutting down. <laughs> Completely. Did you guys know that apparently there was, this was, and it must have been a, I, I can't imagine how this was a slowed news day in the UK, given everything going on. I don't know if you guys watch Broadchurch, but in the no, latest no. season, series three, mm-hmm. which I should not have watched, <laughs> but I did we'll just say that um apparently there was like and this was enough to be pressed national outrage because david Tennant's character in the show microwaves his tea to make it so there's this whole whole news article about how actually microwaving your tea could be the correct way to cook it and it was like i can just feel the outrage i can feel the outrage that does sound like a slow news day (laughs) <laughs> it's like, how do you have a slow news day right now that this is news? How much are you all so so pro clutchy about your tea that this is in the news? But yeah, coffee and tea. I mean, uh... <laughs> I love, I love uh... again, freaking out about the knock is that I, I love that the the coin trick that we had kind of referenced just a couple of times. He's so fixated. He's like, just teach me the coin trick. Has a payoff. Yes, we get it at the end. It's like, look, hey. Let's toss a coin. I win. I get to go off world, and he knows he's gonna win. Yes, yeah. Uh, good payoff. I, I love the specially chosen tea clothes. I yes. thought that was uh, that. Just that whole little scene was hilarious. And I, so we get the 
the part where she's Google searching the monster. Uh huh. And she can't find anything. And I saw that somebody had at replied um, Sarah Dollard, and apparently there was some we like I think a year or two after this, there were reports of a monster showing up. Yes, did you guys see that? that? I, did. uh, I didn't see that on Twitter. No, I want to say it was eighteen seventeen. Yeah, but it was well, over. It three years after it was over in america i can't remember where it was but and they showed they're like here's a drawing of the monster and it was somewhat similar and kind of creepy that she didn't she was like no oh, i didn't know about it this was a, a, a report of a oh i can't read wikipedia this fast shit. <laughs> um hold on control f Guide me now. Oh nope, never mind. It, my wiki with the Wikipedia inverted the last two numbers. Um, probably the oh, it's the Great New England Sea Serpent. Yes. Which okay. you know, funny story. I grew up in New England, and I for some reason this is the first time I am. Wait, hold on. But where do they say it is? I've never heard of this. The Strange. Gloucester Sea Monster. Oh, it's a message. Oh, wait. No. Mm. <laughs> the beast's heyday was between 1817 and 1819 when hundreds of people saw it in the Gulf of Maine, Manny. More than have claimed to see Loch Ness in, Lake Sh- in the Lake Champlain one. Okay, so it was like a Massachusetts Maine thing. So, I mean, maybe that's why I never heard it except yeah. in Connecticut. But, but, but yeah, we got ghosts and vampires in my state. <laughs> I thought that was very interesting because you know sometimes they they kind of tie in that with mm-hmm. the with you know the history and the whatnot and I thought that was super cool that that person found that and that she had no idea about it. So I That's don't feel nice. as bad about like noticing obscure costume details in the show anymore. No, no, you should. Like, you never should. I mean, to be <laughs> fair, like I know for a fact the BBC like now unlike their heyday of let's burn all the things like they keep costumes and they keep them for a long time because they recycle yeah. them a bunch <laughs> there were some actresses who like in the span of like 10 or 15 years have actually worn the same costume but in like different productions it's kind of neat really? it makes me wonder if their closet is just like maybe like the size of a shoebox <laughs> oh i'll wear well, this old had- thing again We've had plenty of episodes. I mean, we just when we reviewed Earthshock, it's like, hey, this this part of the set is actually was used in the movie Alien. Mm-hmm. You know, here's stuff getting reused, not even just in the same show, but you know, other here's another production in England. Oh well, we need something. Oh, let's borrow it from that. Pretty much, yeah. Part part with British TV and British filmmaking. I'm just like, honestly, I mean, like at this point, I'm just happy they went to Regency England because, like, I feel like Doctor Who doesn't go in that part of the 19th century a lot there's a lot of victorian era like a lot of later 19th century and i was almost like before it called out that they were in 1814 i was like oh are we are we getting in our pad or nostrogain visit this season oh man but it's too wait it's way too many decades early yeah. for that yes. because the paternoster gain is probably around like late 1880s early 1890s so good good i mean well no vastra would be around maybe we'll, we'll ever yeah. get that damn backstory but probably not if only no we could have had it all we could <laughs> we could no i just realized that like there's not i can't think off the top of my head many episodes set in the regency era of doctor who it's usually been victorian yeah. 
So, next time we will be reviewing Knock Knock, starring all of the regulars. <laughs> Taylor. What? <laughs> Maybe Nardle. Oh, God. Um, it, it's David... It's Suchet? Is it Suchet? Okay. Look David at that. Um, Lauren, if you didn't know, I can't pronounce anything. Um, that's okay. I'm trying to learn German right now, and just that's going along swimmingly. And by swimmingly <laughs> means I can read it, but when I'm in the part of Duolingo where they're saying it, I'm like, oh, Jesus, take the wheel right now. <laughs> uh, so David Suchet as the landlord, and it was written by Mike Bartlett and directed by Bill Anderson. Uh, Lauren, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. This was a lot of fun. Um, if you have anything you would like to plug, plug away. Sure. Everybody can totally check out my two stories so that I can get my normal 25 cent royalty check per quarter. <laughs> um, actually, I say that when last quarter it was 75 cents and I was like, oh, wow, big spending. There you that, go. That was a lot. Um, yeah. So go check out my stories. Uh, check out my articles. There's only like, going to be two so far on Geek Nerdery. I also do a, l- a lot of pop culture reviews on um, fandompost.com. Anything else? Where can we find you on Twitter? At El Gallo Writes, which I'm surprised that I- it's very hard for me to get Twitter handles in my name because there is a more successful version of me in Silicon Valley. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's because the funny story is, so my day job is in uh, digital marketing and more successful me because this comes happens. It's kind of a thing on LinkedIn sometimes. I think she used to live in New York and then she moved out here to work at Apple. So not that I'm like stalking her, but it does like what I need to like find my profile in LinkedIn. It like always defaults to her because she's more <laughs> successful me. So it's there's also a fashion designer and a basketball player with my name. So trying to get anything oh. in my name in Twitter is hysterical. Oh, no. But I am <laughs> at El Gallo writes on Twitter. So you can follow me there. I'm really for being a social media person. Terrible at posting on twitter (laughs) that's the irony it's like i do digital marketing but like when i get home i'm like no i just want to netflix yeah i don't want to do what i've been doing all day yeah Yeah. but it's that's it's it's really at my detriment (laughs) (laughs) and i need to like write more stories too but i get so busy i have this chronic problem of volunteering my time away because I also write conventions so uh hopefully i will write more short stories and get them published. Yeah. My rule is try to get at least enough published a year to make my um, Duotrope membership a wash, which is what I use to uh, find places to submit stories to. But I do have two stories out that were published in, oh my God, what year are we in right now? 2017. Um, This is really awful. I need to look on Amazon right now. <laughs> uh, when were my stories put out? Cause... I'll be sure to put links in the show notes. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And they're super affordable because they're like a lot of them have e-copies. So, I mean, you're looking at like 99 cents here. Oh, 2015. That's not that bad. Uh, so I'm in the third anthology for Dark Fuse. There was a bundle out too. And some of those stories are really, really good. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at like maybe like literally at most $4. Come on, people. You all Come have, on, guys. You I all need, have $4. I need to, like, I I, I I I love to have that change in my PayPal account every quarter. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. Su- it helps support my 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 horrible buying things on PayPal 
habit oh, of boy. comicsology. <laughs> so, <laughs> which I'm so behind on reading all my things in comicsology. I don't think I've even finished Star Wars yet. Oh boy. Um, but yep. So you guys can find me there, and every now and then, every now and then, like like you know, every every month or so, I make a tweet. Oh. I actually tweet more than I update my own website. So. I did notice that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm instilling a lot of faith in people in me as an author. Doing really good. <laughs> and I think this goes back. To, I, I, I think it's that I need to pick one thing that's not my day job because I have to do my day job. Yeah. Because I live, I live in Silicon Valley and rent makes me want to cry every time I think about it. Uh, I think I need (laughs) to start just picking a thing and focusing on that thing and I need to write more stories. But in the meantime, I do write pop culture columns for a couple different websites and every now and then I wrote people into letting me come on their podcasts. As as has happened today. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe by next Gallifrey I'll have more things out. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. We shall see. So you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Just search The Podcastica. You can follow me on Twitter at JP Thrice. And you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Apex Buddha. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search Podcastica and rate and review us as well. And also subscribe to us on SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash the N-O-T-L-G. You'll get Podcastica and all of the other podcasts on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. Uh, Also, head on over to notlg.spreadshirt.com and buy one of our Podcastica shirts. That would be really cool of you guys to do. Um, also support the Y axes. They do our music, uh, head on over to the Y And they're also on Spotify. And that is it for us this week. Uh, Lauren, thank you once again. Yeah. And, uh, we will talk to you guys next week when we discuss knock knock. So we will see you then. Bye. Yeah. Dragon scale for me, it's like on a scale of one to ace with a baseball bat. Ah. So. Ooh, I appreciate that as a seventh adapter and ace fan. I like that.